You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. A little bit later, we will get to our interview with Darius Slay. A fascinating interview, and and one that I did not expect to go in the direction that it did, frankly. I thought, you know, hey look, he, he plays in the NFC North. I had the opportunity to interview him. I wasn't sure that it was going to be for, for this platform. But, you know, that's sort of how this works. I'm a freelance journalist, and so I get to do a lot of different kinds of things. I get to interview a lot of different kinds of players. And I basically slot them in where I feel like they belong, at least for the content that I create. So if I have something interesting to say, uh, I'll write about it, maybe. Or if I, you know, I talk to a player that I think works for this show, I'll put them on. And this is a situation where Darius Slay is very interesting. This conversation ended up being very Packer heavy. And the same is true for my conversation with Indomitian Sue, who now plays in Tampa Bay and did not play in Tampa Bay when we had our conversation. I asked him about that. And we're going to talk to Indomitian next week. He will be a part of this show next week. And uh, uh, this is that that conversation in some ways is more interesting than this conversation because I think Packer fans have a different relationship with Sue than they have with Darius Slay. The thing that I want to get to before we talk to Darius is on Tuesday, Jonah Williams, it was announced by the Bengals, has a torn labrum in his shoulder. He's going to need surgery and he's going to miss the entire rookie season. And so I went back and I looked and I, it's not fair to, to look at, you know, one season. And I've been saying this, you know, going back to before the draft that we can't judge any single draft and certainly not the Packers draft by how well a player performs or a class of players performs as rookies. It's just not fair. And it's, it's just also not smart you know, you look at Devontae Adams, it took him a couple years to become Devontae Adams. Kenny Clark was not Kenny Clark in year one. And so, you know, Corey Lindsley even, who is someone, you know, who who got the opportunity to play earlier in his career and get a lot of snaps at offensive line, is not the guy he, he is now early in his career. These things tend to take time. And there are plenty of players who have had early success in their careers who did not maintain that success, who showed flashes. Morgan Burnett showed flashes of being a really high-impact player and never really became that playmaking presence in the back end. What I think is particularly interesting as we go back and look at this draft 
from where we stand right now. The players immediately taken before the Packers picked were all players that Packers Twitter and Green Bay fans had a affinity for and and had a a, a real conversation about wanting for the Packers. TJ Hawkinson goes eight to the Lions. That was a player a lot of fans wanted in Green Bay and, and was a player that I had argued at various points in the pre-draft process that I thought made sense for the Packers. And, and I made the case for and against him, but ultimately you know, came to the conclusion, especially after free agency, that, that he made sense. The player that I thought was their, their most logical choice, their best choice, at Oliver, he goes nine. You get Devin Bush to the Steelers. They trade up to take him 10th. And then Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman I would have most likely targeted if I had been the Packers, goes 11th. Now he's going to miss his entire rookie season. Now I don't think it's the case that that injury proves that I was wrong about that. Because again, you can't judge the quality of a draft pick based solely on the rookie season. But imagine how talk radio and podcast forums and Twitter and Facebook would be different if the Packers had drafted Jonah Williams and it was clear he was going to play. Now, they wouldn't probably have have signed Billy Turner to the contract that they signed him to, and maybe the situation with Lane Taylor would be different, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of these other factors are important in this conversation. But if they had drafted Jonah Williams at 12 and it looked clear that he was going to play, and now all of a sudden he's not going to play, there would have been so many more conversations and criticisms about the Packers not drafting someone else. And I think it is most certainly the case that this is this is going to be something that the Packers fans are going to tie to the Packers because while it is the case that there is all, there is this this group of players that Green Bay didn't have the opportunity to draft. Number 1, they could have traded up, I suppose. And taken, you know, Hawk or Oliver, Bush or Williams. But then they take Rashawn Gary at 12. And they take Gary over Christian Wilkins. There were plenty of Packer fans in my mentions that wanted Christian Wilkins. I mentioned Chris Lindstrom, who goes 14 to the Falcons, as a possibility for the Packers at the end of the first round. You know, I don't think Dwayne Haskins would have been in play, but then Brian Burns at 16 was a player that a lot of Packer fans had their sights set on. Uh, and then at 21, this presents this whole other interesting conversation because the Packers trade up to take Darnell Savage 21, a player they clearly loved and didn't think was going to make it down to 30, ahead of Andre Dillard, ahead of Marquise Brown, ahead of Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Abram and Jerry Tillery, and this group of players that could have been on their radar at 30. And and in the case of Montez Sweat, could have been on their radar at 12 and wasn't. So the, the selection of Rashawn Gary is always going to be compared to this group of players drafted directly in front and directly behind where the Packers selected. Now, again, I, I am... 
pretty confident Christian Wilkins is not going to outperform that draft spot significantly. In fact, I think over time he is going to prove that that was a reach. I don't think the Packers would have taken Lindstrom at 12. I think Brian Burns could have been in play at 12, but ultimately, you know, I understand that the Packers loved Gary. Do I think Burns was the better prospect? Yeah, I do. But do I understand why they took him, Gary, over Dexter Lawrence? Yeah, I do. Do I understand why they took him over Jeffrey Simmons? Sure. Do I understand why they took him over, you know, Titus Howard at 23? Yeah. Now, were there other players who I thought, you know, could have been in play for Do I understand why they took him over Garrett Bradbury? You're not going to take a center at 12. Yeah, I do. Andre Dillard, you know, that was my dude. Uh, I thought Darnell Savage was a better prospect than Rashawn Gary. I would have been more comfortable taking Savage at 12. I've been on record here talking about this. So all of these, these factors, I mean, you have to factor in opportunity cost when we look at this draft pick. So the Packers take Rashawn Gary. Who could they have taken? Now, the same is true. When it comes to the opportunity cost of the players above the Packers. So we can't sit here and play Monday morning quarterback a year from now, two years from now, three years from now and say, oh, well, the Packers, they they didn't get TJ Hawkinson. Okay, well, Hawk went four spots ahead of the Packers. They they did not have the opportunity to draft him. Oh, Ed, Ed Oliver, he, you know, the Packers, they didn't draft Ed Oliver. Okay. Well, he went nine. The Packers drafted 12. What was the trade-up situation? What was the scenario? What was on the table? What could they have offered to give it, to get that pick? And, and what would it have cost them? What would they have given up? What are those picks looking like now? These are all calculations that we have to take into account when doing these sorts of analyses. Right now, no one knows who the smart picks were and who the smart picks weren't. We can only base it on pre-draft evaluations. And it will be the case that some guys will outperform pre-draft evaluations. And it will also be the case that some players who are talented and are good will not perform because they'll be hurt or they'll be in the wrong scheme or they'll be used in the incorrect way. That doesn't make their evaluations incorrect. It just means that they were deployed in a faulty manner. Now, none of this is to make excuses for NFL teams or for me or or any of those kinds of things, because especially if you're an NFL team and you draft someone, it is quite literally your job to put them in the best position to succeed. It's not my job. My job as someone who follows the league and covers the league and does this show and, and has Various outlets where I talk, especially about the draft. I'm a draft guy. I love it. I'm a, I'm a little bit obsessed with it. It's a little sad for me. That's fine. I've accepted it a long time ago. My sister, uh, in particular, has made fun of me for it. And that's fine. Uh, you know, I'll live. It is what it is. I understand that this is something that fit is important. I can only evaluate players because I know not every player is going to be drafted by the Packers. I evaluate players in a vacuum as if I am just evaluating a player. That is, in some ways, a faulty process because 
a player is not valuable intrinsically. At least most players aren't. Players have value relative to their role and how they're deployed. And if we don't know how they're going to be deployed, it's much tougher to gauge their value and their upside and their potential role. And not just we're talking about, you know, how they're going to be used, but the position on the team, how, how many snaps does their team need them to play? What is their coaching situation like? What does their division look like? I mean, there's so many factors here, but there is just no escaping that Green Bay selection of Rashawn Gary, going back to the night that we talked about this where I said I'm dubious of this selection, it's going to be compared to the players taken directly in front of the Packers because so many of those players were Packer fan targets. And it's going to be compared to all of the players, all, 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 all of the players who were taken after because Green Bay at that moment had the opportunity to take all of those players. Now, it's not quite so simple to just say, well, they could have taken those players and they turned and and you know, XYZ turned out to be good. And this is a much larger discussion, but it is the case that players are risk profiles. And so when you're taking a player at 12, we've talked about this on this show before. And longtime listeners are are going to be, you know, maybe bored by this. <laughs> and I'm sorry. But you are a risk profile as a draftable player. And just because a, a team doesn't draft you doesn't mean that they made a bad decision, even if you turn out to be a better player than the player that they drafted. Now, I think Rashawn Gary has the potential to be worth the 12th pick. Do I think there's risk there? Do I think he's ready to be that guy? Yeah, absolutely I do. If this draft turns out to be how a lot of drafts ends up turning out and there isn't a good player between 13 and 40, you know, another really good player, and, you know, excluding Darnell Savage in this case because the Packers obviously had the opportunity to draft him as well, then you just say, look, this was a swing worth taking. And I still think it was a swing worth taking. There's just other players I would have picked. Now, I don't have the medicals. I don't have all these other, you know, all this other information that can help prioritize these players. This is just the reality of how we evaluate these guys and how we evaluate the wisdom of these picks. So the Packers need Rashawn Gary to be good and or they need the next like 20 guys to be bad. That's just the reality of the situation. And speaking of being bad, there's one place you absolutely do not want to be bad, and that's in bed. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence you need in bed with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And this is not just for guys who can't perform, but for anyone who wants a little extra function in the bedroom. Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, 
no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Promo code Locked On to try it free. All right, let's get to my interview with Lions Pro Bowl cornerback Darius Slay talking about being a corner in the NFC North and all of the challenges that go along with that the toughest covers in the league, and why Devontae Adams is so tough to cover. I just want to let you know straight away, this was an interview that I did before the draft, and it was not one we did in a studio. This is in the field. This is bootstrap reporting, so the audio is going to be a little bit different from what you're used to. I, I did my best to, to enhance it and, and fix it in post, but I, you know, I don't think it's a problem. You're going to be able to hear all the answers. It's just the, the audio quality is going to be a little, you know, a little bit less than what we're used to here. So please bear with us. I appreciate that. You're going to want to listen to it. Um, it's not like it sounds like he's on the moon or anything like that. It's just not studio quality. I, I want to be upfront and honest with you about that. So here is my conversation with Lions cornerback Darius Slay. You had a little bit of fun at the Pro Bowl. Oh, a lot of fun. What was, what was that experience like? It's great. Uh, free Disney. Come on. <laughs> There's nothing going to be free Disney. Kids young, they love the Disney. They love Disney. Um, shoot. I love it. it gives a lot. I love free stuff. That's what's big with me. I love freeness. So uh, you go to Combine, I mean the uh, Pro Bowl, you get a lot of free stuff. And, that's real, and I'm real big with free stuff. It seemed like you had a good time, though, with the receivers, which is weird for a cornerback to, to, to like hanging out with those guys. Yeah, I can hang with them on there because it's not serious. <laughs> it's more fun, you know, hanging around, man. I'm, our families and, and, and my family, all us interacting, you know, getting to know each other, expanding our friendship uh, in different areas, you know. So uh, that's it. It was, it was a great experience, you know. Uh, but come real day Sunday and in crying time oh and the game. Oh yeah, we ain't friends right there. <laughs> so the the NFC North, like the the amount of talent at receiver, especially over the last few years, yeah. seems like it's exploded. Yeah. And you gotta go against Devontae twice. Mm-hmm. You gotta go against Thielen and Diggs twice. Now Allen Robinson, all mm-hmm. those dudes. You probably have to feel like, look, I've got the hardest job in the NFL. Gotta go gotta go against all these guys. Right. I do. Uh, that's why I earned a lot of respect that that's why I made where I'm at. You know, that's why I'm two Pro Bowls back in, back in back to back. So I've been going against them guys. Them guys pushing me in a hard way. Uh, I'm a great group of guys, great group of receivers in that, in that division. And, you know, I hold my own a lot. Uh, I make a lot of plays on them. They made a lot, couple plays on me. But the uh, only thing I do is try to strive to get better and strive to make them get better. And we already know what time it is when we meet up at the line of scrimmage. It's time to go. Stephon Gilmore said the other day that, that Devontae Adams had the toughest release in the game. Yeah, oh, yeah, he for sure. Him, him and Keenan Allen. Uh, and third one is uh, Amari Cooper. Best releases off the line of scrimmage. What for, like Devontae, for example, like what makes what makes him so tough with the line of scrimmage? Uh, I know you don't want to compliment Packers, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> what makes him so tough is the fact that he sets you up a lot. You don't know how though. You know, what I'm saying you might think he's setting you up to go this way, but he might set you up the way he's going and still go that way. So he's real good at countering, you know, and he's real good at using his hands. So if you do a good thing, you got a good jam on him. He's strong enough to get your hands off him. Then you got an amazing quarterback, Hall of Famer. That's going to put it there for nobody else can catch it but him, you know. And they got a great connection. And so uh, that was tough, man. With a guy that could get off the line like that, you know, he's and get that separation he needs from you off the line of scrimmage and then get going. Then you got, like, Aaron Rodgers throwing it to you. Uh, he, he was one of the only guys that got you last year, right, Devontae? Yeah, yeah, he's the only one that got me, the only one that put over 100 yards on me, man. He, 
he worked me in the second half. Uh, I had a good first half against him and worked me in the second half, but I was ready for him in the second game, but he ain't played. I was mad. <laughs> I kind of look he mad, but I know I would, I'd rather for him to take care of his body and take care of his family than to come out here trying to compete because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this game don't last long. And, you know, so I'd rather have him had to take care of himself and then uh, be ready for next year. When, you, when you're game planning, and you know that you have this receiver coming up. Yeah. What is what is like the one thing where you're like, I'm gonna have to really be on my game. Like the, the one trade or the one thing that you're just like, this is what gives me the most problems, or this is what I have to be really on my game for. I gotta be real on my guy. Like for like for example, Devante. I just gotta be really on my my game on the line of scrimmage. Cause if I win the line of scrimmage, I can win the battle, and uh, that's what he know. So he know if he can win the line of scrimmage, he know he can win the battle. So he know. I gotta win that. If I don't win that, I'm not gonna win. So I gotta make it myself with that. I gotta win that line of scrimmage for me to beat the guy. So that's how I go in like that. Do you have a? I mean, do you have a plan at the line? Just like okay, this, I is, mean, this is what this is what I'm trying to do today, or this is what I'm trying to do this play. Yeah, I gotta have a plan for him for sure. So uh, that's why I did this when I after the first time I saw it, I had watched it, I studied it, looked at it. I said, man, this is what I gotta do next time. Cause if I don't, he go tear me up like this again. So uh, yeah, so I made a lot of adjustments when I after playing him. One thing that I've noticed is that with teams playing so much nickel and teams trying yeah. to get the ball out quick, it seems like you need more cornerbacks than ever to try and defend all of these spread offenses. Right, it's because it's slot, slot corners. I mean, slots, slots making now 10 million. You know, that's why niggas need to be paid like number one corners because slot guys is not just no, you know, they put guys like Odell in there and got to put guys like Devontae in there. You got guys like Julio. So you got to have guys in there that can hold their own. So you got to have three solid great corners out there. You know, it's, but it, it seems like the, the importance of that position, maybe even more than pass rush, has has elevated in today's yeah, game. Yeah, because, I mean, just because I don't know about pass rush because you need somebody to get to that quarterback. But nickel position is very, very, very important. I mean, you got to have a solid, strong nigga because uh, this game is a passing lead now. You know, everybody's just getting 11 personnel and just sit back and throw the ball now. Ain't too many guys that just go pound and run, pound and run no more like now. You know, we got a couple teams in there. I know Jacksonville does it. Uh, you know, see how Seattle kind of do it sometimes. But now they kind of like form into a passing defense, passing offense, just because they got Russell. And you want Russell sitting back there with $150 million just sitting there handing the ball off every play. <laughs> so they're going to make his money work. So, uh, man, that nickel position is very, very important because he really could be the key to your whole defense. Last one, NFC North. You got the Vikings just mm -hmm. went to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. The Bears just won 12 games. You got Rodgers coming back healthy. And now you guys, you added some defensive pieces. Yeah. I mean, is this the best division in football? I, I'm going to say, like, the North is tough. You know, I, I think the whole league is tough. But uh, the North is very tough right now. Uh, you got some of the best receivers, best group of receivers, some of your best quarterbacks. Um, some of the best high-paid defensive teams. You know, we got one of the number one defense on our division, you know, with great receivers, you know, so it's all tough. You know, every division tough. You know, everybody got a tough division, but it's, go, it's, it's working in the north. You know, if it's, and it's cold, so you're getting a little little ground ball, a little run action, and you know, you want you know, you ain't want to, you just ain't want to, back in my time, you ain't want to tackle Eddie Lacy and, right. and, and negative 10 weather. That was tough. Yeah. I said last one, but would you rather, as a corner, spend all day where the quarterback is throwing at everybody else, or do you want them to throw at you every time? I can need somebody to throw at me, cause I, even though I don't get, even though I got my composure right, I don't get bored no more because the game. You never know when your time can come. But I need, I need that work. So I like to work, you know. But like, I'm always ready. That's just what it is. I'm really always ready.
All right, I want to thank Darius for taking the time, for talking to me. He didn't really have a choice. It was a Nike event, and he was there, and uh, I went up to him and said, hey, can I talk to you? And he said, sure. So, uh, But I still appreciate it. Uh, he was really fun and, and really great. And, and listen, I, I think Packer fans should be really excited about what's going on with Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers wants to feed Devontae Adams. So there are going to be a lot of opportunities for him to go at someone like Darius Slay. He's going to have to face Xavier Rhodes. He's going to have to face Kyle Fuller in the NFC. If the Packers want to win a Super Bowl, he's going to have to face guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Peters and some some really Byron Jones, some really good corners. And uh, he's up to it. He really is. He is he is supremely talented. This is going to be a huge season for Devontae Adams. For the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. An awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency at Locked On NBA Net. We're going to be back tomorrow, our last show of the week, and then we'll be back next week, 4th of July show. Uh, and we're going to have some fun. Yeah, that and Dominican Sue interview is coming next week, so keep an eye out for that. It should be fun. I think you're going to have some, some, you know, you might have some strong takes. Uh, I asked him questions about the rivalry and, and his relationship to Packer fans and the Packers offensive linemen, and, and I think his answers might surprise you. Uh, it will not surprise you to know that he is a huge human person. So uh, that that will not necessarily come through in the interview, but just rest assured, Namakin Sue is freaking huge. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of huge, uh, let's help make our uh, our Twitter following huge. Follow the podcast at Locked On Packers. Follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Leave a review. Let other people know. Why you are listening to Locked On Packers when you're driving to work or from work or around town or, or wherever it is. Tell your smart device to play Locked On Packers and we will be right there with you for that drive. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. It's the best way to let your voice be heard on the Locked On Podcast Network, certainly on Locked On Packers. That number, 920 341 Three seven seven five. It's for cheeseheads who want to be at all times and always locked on pack.